Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eCampus News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in higher ed tech this month. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. In this episode, we look at some of the back office innovations that have been implemented during the past few years during the pandemic that should probably stick around now that we're coming out of it. While most of the attention is rightly focused on the instructional side of the coin, much of the following technologies and techniques are just as important when providing an optimal experience for students, as well as faculty and staff, both on campus and off. First up, Randy Shore, he's the Vice President of Delivery and Support for a company called Kion, makes the case for implementing cloud-based solutions on campus. He has a ton of smart takes and insights, which include a few missteps a school can take. The story is entitled, Three Cloud-Focused Areas for Higher Ed, and it's up on the top stories at eCampus News. Here's a snippet. The first misstep, he writes, a lack of expertise. The cloud skills gap can often cause a you-don't-know-what-you-don't-know syndrome at universities. While they know of the cloud, many folks don't know the ins and outs of what it can offer to them and are therefore less likely to solve new challenges in new ways. This often forces a mentality of lift and shift versus a more beneficial cloud migration strategy like replatforming or redirecting. Second, blown budgets. Nothing stops a cloud migration faster than a blown budget. The thought of giving a cloud account, aka the key to your data center, to a student is frightening to a university. Schools teach novices, and while learning, it's easy to do something incorrectly. Because of this, there is a fear or a past event of a blown budget that causes apprehension about even moving to the cloud. Without proper controls in place, this will be the argument against academic use of the cloud for the foreseeable future. And finally, he writes, there's a fear of losing control. With the accessibility of the cloud, those who were in control, specifically procurement and IT security, can easily feel as though they have lost control. Procurement is accustomed to collecting competitive quotes, contacting vendors, receiving a purchase order, and issuing an approval of purchases. Adopting the cloud flips that process on its head because it can introduce an open checkbook to the university where a bill will come after the services are consumed and procurement is then left to determine how it will get paid. So yeah, there's a lots of uncertainty in these processes, but you know, looking at tips such as these, I think will certainly help any university IT staff on their first journey into the idea of adopting cloud-based technologies. Have a, have a look at the whole article. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty good stuff. Next, enterprise research planning systems are powerful tools for overseeing campus business operations, but there are some things an ERP just wasn't designed to do well. What if you could uncouple your human resources systems from the limitations of your ERP? I recently had a conversation with Erica Sandoval she is partner with UKG Strategic Advisory Group. Erica has spent over a decade in higher education, helping guide and lead educators, administrators, and staff in the areas of people and organizational practice, where we discussed just that scenario of uncoupling HR from ERP. You can find the entire conversation under the webinar tab. It's called Empowering HR with Tools to Enhance Engagement. Here's a highlight. 
Erica, talk a little bit about that idea of paying the employees correctly. It seems to be that's one of the one of the three biggest advantages of this decoupling that we're talking about. 100%, Kevin. And I, I think when we're talking about our employees that are on these campuses, as well as the students, which they tend to be in a lot of these frontline positions that I'm speaking on, but also the frontline employees also really highly depend on making sure they're, they're paid accurately. Because over 50% of frontline employees on college campuses, um, when I'm talking frontline, um, not just student affairs workers, but I'm speaking folks that may be working on grounds, working in um, dining, working um, in operations, these employees at over 50% of campus employees already hold two jobs. So these employees um, are, are juggling multiple jobs. Um, they're also the folks who have been hit the hardest during the pandemic, as we already know, um, as the data has been telling us. So, you know, they're rushed from one job to the other. And so if they're not paid on time, it really, um, all the stressors that Dennis was talking about for a lot of these employees, they're, they're, they're living paycheck to paycheck as well, but also supporting um, family, extended family, um, and, and being able to see the information of their paycheck is critical and to make sure that they're getting paid on time. And, you know, Dennis made a really good point. Folks talk on campuses, especially really large campuses. There's a lot of discussion happening. And if, if you're looking and you know, if your HCM isn't centralized in one location, I think that's one thing we see in very large campus and large institutions, they're going to be talking to other folks who may be using a different HR system within on campus. Did you get paid? How much are you getting paid? What does that look like? How about your hours? Can you swap shifts? That's another big topic with student workers and also frontline workers. How what's the ability to, to swap these shifts so that we know um, that things can change, right? Because folks may be having, especially with the pandemic, with the remote learning, um, student workers need to be able to make those changes um, so that the frontline managers can be able to focus on being a manager um, instead of having to do all the admin work that can tend to happen um, when we're talking about this decoupling. So I think that's one thing that's super critical to talk about um, is the consistency of the time that's saved when you're moving into these kind of models. And I think a big discussion is moving from transactional models to really this business partner focus. And to be able to do that, you really have to have the right technology to move because oftentimes um, what happens in a lot of folks who are, are working within only um, an ERP system is there tends to be a lot of transactional, a lot of manual, a lot of can this speak to this process. Um, and then another thing that I want to touch up, talk about with the pay that goes hand in hand is the performance part, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But the performance management piece is so important when we're talking about as well. How can we make this um, easier and smoother by really um, coupling it together with this HCM to make it more robust so that our HR folks are really working on payroll and our finance folks who maybe not have an idea of what happens in the everyday life of an HR professional on a campus really try to understand how can we track the data to make it easier um, and financial and really financially accessible for to really understand where those gaps may exist. Next up, David Friend, he's the co-founder and CEO of Wasabi Technologies, makes the argument that universities must modernize their IT infrastructures to protect against massive data losses. His piece up on eCampus News is called Three Ways to Build Effective Data Backup Strategies. I won't spoil the whole thing for you, but here's one way in which he breaks it down. He writes, implement a 3-2-1 backup approach. Another key lesson learned from Kyoto University's data loss incident was to avoid having all data backed up in one place. It's good practice to keep at least three copies of data 
with two on different media formats, and one of those being off-site, also known as a 3-2-1 backup approach coined by VM, one of the world's leaders in cloud backup. Different media formats could be a hard drive, tape, or the cloud, depending on your school's budget and the importance of your data, given some media formats are less secure than others. He goes on, keeping one copy off-site means diversifying the storage locations, which could be another building sent through the WAN or the sneaker net, shipping the tapes to a storage uh, facility off-site, or using public or private cloud. The other approaches that he talks about are, are chock full of other just kind of nitty gritty uh, suggestions that will help keep your, your campus data clean and secure. I, I encourage you to check it out. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eCampus News for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the EdTech higher ed space. Remember, eCampus is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eCampus News.